Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Good to see you this morning, and uh, you know, as we are, you know, if you're visiting this morning, it's going to be feeling like you're towards the tail end of something, but we have been going through this book, 21 Days of Prayer. Today, we are doing a corporate fast, and you know, the reason why we're doing this is, again, I said this from the very beginning, to to align our hearts with God's heart, to increase our faith in His power, and and, uh, you know, as we're fasting, if you can fast with us, if you're choosing to fast with us today, um, my prayer is that the, that the that the prayers that are around this room, the, the banners that you see, if you want to just take a look at them, um, this is our prayer, that, that as we are coming together, that God would speak to us, not just personally, but corporately. And so I just want to begin our time together with this prayer that's on our walls. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we need to hear from you today. We are hungry to hear from you today. We know that, Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. We know that when we abide in you, all things are possible. So, God, we're just praying that through your spirit and through your word today, there would be something that we see, that we know, that we understand, that we need in order to follow you more. Thank you again, Jesus, for all that you do. We pray these things in your name. Amen. A number of years ago, uh, my family and I, we, we all got uh, annual passes to the uh, U.S. National Whitewater Center. I'm not sure how many of you have ever been there, but it is one of my favorite things to do in Charlotte. And uh, we, uh, when we had a season of homeschooling our kids, every Friday uh, we would go there and hang out and do all the fun um, you know, challenge courses and all that other stuff. But one of the things that's a benefit when you have the annual pass is you can show up and just take whatever bike. It, you know, the annual pass covers the bike rental, and they have all these trails all around the, the Whitewater Center. And so um, they have three different kinds of trails. They had green circle trails, which was like, you can ride a bike. They had blue square trails that were like, you know, this is a little bit heavier and challenging. And then the black diamond trails. Those are like, you need to be an expert to, to go on those. And so when I took one of the bikes and I went out on the trails, what trail do you think I went on? No, green circle, people. <laughs> I, I don't want to be one of these guys I busted out teeth. Did you hear what happened to Pastor Ben? Yeah, he went on a black diamond bike trail. You know, I don't want any of that. I play it safe. And so, you know, when I think about this prayer this morning, day 21, I mean, all these prayers have been phenomenal. I'm not sure how many of you have just been reading them, how you've been, t- I mean, I, every day it just feels like God has been touching my heart and, and um, it has just been a challenge to me, growing me in my faith journey. And, you know, all these prayers for, for a lot of them are just been like, yeah, that's encouraging. God, give me success today. Bless me. Give me wisdom. Deliver me. Help us. You know, there's all these prayers that we feel like, Man, this is, this is encouraging. This is uplifting. I needed this today. And then we get to today. Today's prayer. Father, forgive them. Guys, this is the black diamond prayer. This, may, this might be the hardest prayer that you pray. This might be the hardest prayer you pray in your entire life. This might be the hardest prayer you've prayed this year. But the idea is praying a prayer of forgiveness is more challenging than many times we want to admit. And, and so today we have the prayer of Jesus. You know, these prayers of different people, the prayers of Asa, Nehemiah, and, and uh, Abraham's servant, and the disciples. But we finally, the last prayer of this 21-day journey is the prayer of Jesus. And the prayer of Jesus is, Father, forgive them. You know, there's a lot of ways we could talk about forgiveness this morning. And if you do a little Google search, if you go and, you know, 
Go to Google Scholar and type in forgiveness and healing, those two words, and you type it into Google Scholar, and you will get scores of studies, research studies that have been done by, by either mental health or physical health institutions um, measuring the health benefits, the mental health benefits, and the physical benefits of forgiveness. And we know that, forget, you know, we can look at that and say, hey, it is good for you to forgive because you will have better mental health. It's good for you to forgive because it improves your physical health. And we could talk about that, and that's a wonderful thing. But, but it's more than that because we also have the Word of God and the Bible teaches about forgiveness. In fact, Jesus talked about forgiveness all the time. You know, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? He, in, his, in his prayer that he's teaching the disciples, he adds an issue of forgiveness. Father, you know, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. When Peter asked him, hey, how, how many times should we forgive uh, th- those, those people? Seven times? No, seven, 70 times seven. He taught on prayer all the time. Jesus gave out forgiveness. Whether it was the paralytic that you know, his friends tore a hole in the roof and he, they laid before him, the first thing that Jesus says is not, get up, take up your mat, rise and walk. No, it is, your sins are forgiven. When the woman, the sinful woman, comes to him at night in the, in the Pharisee's house and, and she's wetting his feet with her tears and wiping his dirty feet with her hair, you know, th- this idea of forgiveness comes up because she was forgiven much, she loved much. And he pronounced forgiveness over her. There's parables about forgiveness. The parable of the unjust steward. The parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. There's forgiveness at the center of Jesus' teaching, his life, everything he says and does. And yet we have this moment, this moment with Jesus on the cross that might be the most audacious prayer, the most incredible act of forgiveness that we've ever seen. In the middle of the brutality of the cross, in the midst of his his betrayal, his accusation, his abandonment, his mocking, his torture, his abuse, he utters the words, Father, forgive them. This confronts us. And this confronts us because, listen, all of us have a forgiveness problem. All of us do. Forgiveness is never easy. In fact, we're going to talk about why forgiveness is such a challenge for us. But all of us in this room, we've been harmed. We live in a world of sin. Yes, that's true. And the reality is, because we live in a world of sin, you have been harmed. Just like Jesus suffered all of these things, you too, maybe in this room, have suffered betrayal. You've suffered abandonment. You've suffered uh, accusation, unjust accusation. You've suffered mocking and scorn. You've suffered abuse in all of its forms. You have felt the pain of someone's sin against you. And so we have this issue of forgiveness before us. And I don't take this lightly. I you know, whether you're walking in here this morning and you feel like, you know, your pain is like a paper cut, like, hey, we just had this argument last night and I feel wounded by my spouse or by my parents. Or maybe there's something that is decades old and there's a scar there, but it's still sensitive to touch. All of us, every single one of us has to learn how to forgive and we, we have to get forgiveness. And, and my main idea for us this morning is you can't get forgiveness without Jesus. 
You can't get forgiveness about Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm using get in two different ways. For example, the, the first way is, you know, if you get something as an understanding, it, you know, if you're in an argument with someone and, and maybe, you're, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's someone else in your life, and you're trying to explain to them why their sin or why their offense has harmed you emotionally, and, and you're trying to explain it and they don't get, get it, and you're saying, you don't get it, right? You don't get, you don't understand forgiveness without Jesus. But here's another thing, you don't get as in receive forgiveness, so, so as far as getting it, understanding it, yeah, we don't get forgiveness without Jesus, but we, we also don't get forgiveness. We don't receive forgiveness without Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Luke chapter 23. Let's pick it up in verse 33. And again, we're meeting Jesus right at the tail end of, of the crucifixion story. He has been betrayed by Judas, one of his disciples. He has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane by temple soldiers he has been abandoned by his disciples. He was even denied by Peter, the leader of his disciples in the courtyard. He's been unjustly accused. He's been beaten. He's been spit upon. His back has been whipped to shreds. His head bears the blood stains of the crown of thorns. He has experienced physical and emotional torment and torture like very few human beings have or ever will feel. And so we come to this moment, and again it says, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And again, when it says they crucified him, this is the moment they drove the nails in his hands. They drove the nails in his feet. This is, this is a moment of the apex of the physical pain and torture. And yet in this moment, what do we read in verse 34? And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Man. You know, as I was studying this passage this week, knowing that I'm preaching on it, my mind instantly went, I'm not sure where your mind goes when you hear this story. As I read the chapter ahead of time, and as I was preparing for this, most of my thoughts and most of my ideas were centered around this idea of, hey, we struggle with forgiveness as human beings. Even as followers of Jesus, forgiveness is a challenge for us. And so how, how, what, is, what is it about Jesus? What is it about what he has experienced? What is it about that he does that will help us to learn how to forgive? And I got to about Thursday, and the Holy Spirit was like, hey, dum-dum, that's not the main point of the text. You know, the main point of this text this morning, let's not miss the headline, and that is this. Jesus wants to forgive you. Jesus has a desire to forgive sinners. And before we can even talk about how we forgive, hey, let's, let's understand this. There, there's a reason why Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to contemplate on Jesus' desire to forgive your offense. We cannot even try to learn how to forgive until we first really meditate, really think through and understand how much Jesus wants to forgive us. He is on the cross, and when he says, Father, forgive them, the people he's saying, who is the them? It is, it is the Pharisees. It is the high priests. It is the soldiers that are mocking him, that are, that are accusing him. They're the ones that have beat him, and it's them. He's saying, them, I want them to be forgiven. 
That reveals to us something about Jesus that is truly supernatural. Jesus, we, what we see in this moment is we see Jesus' heart. We see the heart of Jesus because he, Jesus has the heart of God. All throughout scriptures, we see, G, we see the, the God of heaven looking at us as human beings, as sinners who have rebelled and saying, I want to forgive you. Write this passage down, Psalm 86, verse 5. We're not going to have time to look at it, but I love this phrase as I was studying about forgiveness in Scripture. It talks about God, and, and there's this little line that just captivated my heart this week, and it says that God is eager to forgive. Another translation says he's ready to forgive. It's like we, we, we have a God in heaven that is leaning into when, when we sin against him, he wants to give to us forgiveness. When Moses is on Mount Sinai and God is announcing who he is, what, one of the markers of God's character is the forgiveness of sins. And so we see the heart of Jesus here, even though he is feeling all of this pain, physical and emotional, even though he has experienced the apex of human suffering, in this moment, his heart is revealed and he's saying, you, no matter what I am going through physically and emotionally, there are still my desires for you, for you to be forgiven. And, and, and make no mistake, when he, is, when he is asking for the forgiveness of his tormentors, of, his, of those who have sinned against him, what he is saying is, Father, I want these people in heaven with me. That is the heart of Jesus. It's not just his heart, it's also his mission. Jesus was completely and consistently aligned with why he came to this earth over and over and over again. He says this earlier on in Luke, I came to seek and to save the lost. John chapter 12, I didn't come to judge the world right now, I came to save the world. Over and over again, Jesus is like, I am about reaching people. I'm out about the sinners. I'm out the lost sheep. I want them to be close to me. This was the mission of Jesus. And we see the heart of Jesus and the mission of Jesus completely aligned here to say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Now, why is this important? Why is it important for us to see the heart of Jesus in this moment? Why is it important for us to see his mission? And the reason it's important is because you and me need forgiveness. You and I, we, when we are born into this world, we are born as sinners. Not just we do things wrong, but we have a nature of toward, bent towards sin, an inclination towards it's about what's best for me. And the Bible calls that sin when we rebel against God's holy law and do our own thing. And so Jesus came to save us. And when he, he saves us, he's, he's showing us his heart. What Jesus is saying in this moment on the cross, he is saying to you. Because not just the Pharisees, not just the high priests, it wasn't just the Roman soldiers, it wasn't just Pilate, all the characters that surround the life of Jesus in this moment on the cross, it wasn't just them for why he was on the cross. He's on the cross because you sinned, because of your rebellion. You know, I'm not sure how you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ. It's the movie that Mel Gibson made over 20 years ago. And no, I don't know how you feel about that movie, but Mel Gibson did something in that movie that, that I thought was, was, it made an impact on me. And, you know, Mel Gibson, when he made it, was probably at the apex of his career in Hollywood. And he makes this movie, and he never acts in the movie, but there's one scene in the movie by which Mel Gibson shows up, and it's his hands. Because when they, when they filmed the scene 
of driving the nails into Jesus' hand. It was Mel Gibson's hand that was holding the nail and driving in the ha- with the hammer. And he did that as a personal reflection of, it was me. It was my sin that did that to Jesus. We, we can't even talk about forgiving others until we are utterly astounded at Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. We have to. In order for us to truly learn and know how to forgive, we have to be the one that sees Jesus on the cross because of us saying, Father, forgive them. Jesus loves you. Listen, one of the things that this passage tells us, teaches us, is that no one can do anything too, too far or sin too much that is not beyond the forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know your spiritual condition this morning. I don't know everyone's spiritual condition. But I do know this, that Jesus Christ died to save your soul, to save you. And and the only way we can receive this forgiveness is through faith and repentance in him. It's not by my works. It's It's not about whether or not I can commit enough good deeds to erase what I've done. You and I are utterly dependent on Jesus forgiving us so that we can have a relationship with him and access to him. And he wipes away our sins and gives us a clean account because of the blood of Jesus. That is important because before we can move on, we have to understand we we have been forgiven much. You know, maybe you're sitting here in this room this morning and you're saying, Ben, I hear what you're saying about forgiveness. And by God's grace, I have received the forgiveness of Jesus. We praise God for that. But let me ask you this question. Has Has your astoundedness of this act kind of grown, grown cold in your heart. Remember what Jesus said to the woman who was washing his feet with her tears. And, and the Pharisee that was there, you know, he he's, didn't do that for Jesus. And Jesus makes this claim that those who are forgiven little love little. I don't know where your love is for Jesus this morning, but I do know this. Your love for him, your willingness to follow, to obey him, to respond to him in love is completely and utterly dependent upon how much you see what Jesus has done for you. And we can never let that idea go, grow cold. We can never let that idea go stale. That Jesus loves you. And he's leaning, he's ready, he's eager to forgive you. And even when we are believers and even when we have a relationship with him and we still walk away, there we have this heavenly father that always is bringing us back. Always bringing us back into fellowship with him. Contemplate that. Contemplate the desire for Jesus to forgive your offense. And when you're, when you're able to do that now, now we can look at and say, okay, if Jesus did this, and if I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is my model, my example, and is Christ now living in me, and that I'm to be a little Christ Christian, that's what a Christian means, and I'm to, to reflect the, the nature and the love of Jesus to the world, now how do I forgive? So how do we do this? in light of Jesus forgiving us. Well, what Jesus does in, in this passage, which I think we need to do, and that is this, number two, invite Jesus into the offense. Invite Jesus into the offense. Jesus is on the cross. There, there, there have been pe- the, the, the offenders, the people that have sinned against Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, are there. And what he does in this moment, he says, Father, Father, Forgive them. 
God, Jesus, the Son of God, brings the Father into this moment in between these, the two parties, the offender and the offended. And this probably is the number one thing that most of us do not do. When someone sins against you, we, we typically take that offense and we walk that offense out the way that we naturally would, the way that we've experienced forgiveness and reconciliation, the way we, our own personalities are bent towards certain things. And, and, and what happens is how we handle offenses and how we handle pain and how we handle the things that have been done against us will, will typically be based upon our own personality and our own experience. For example, you might be sitting here this morning and, and, and when it comes to people harming you, you have a very... You're bent towards, hey, let's just all get along. I don't want to be mad at anyone. And so what happens to you is when someone wrongs you or sins against you, you downplay it. You ignore it. You try to forget about it. And you're like, it's not that big a deal. And, and you think that you're actually forgiving the person, but you're not because you cannot forgive until you're honest about the offense. And until you're honest about the offense, you can't really forgive. And so you might have the person that's like, yeah, let's just, you know, I know that you did something against me, but I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to dwell upon it. Let's just let bygones be bygones. Let's, let's forgive and forget and let's move on. That's not forgiveness. And that's not good either. Now, now some of you, when I'm explaining how people are like that, you're like, I have no idea how people can be like that. Because for you, you are a person of high justice. When someone wrongs you, it is etched in your soul. You remember what they said and what they did to a T. And your danger, the danger for you is you can magnify the offense. You can magnify the pain. And more than that, you can marinate in the pain. You can marinate in the offense. In the offense. Now, here's the thing about marination. When you marinate a piece of meat, now you're like, Ben, we're fasting today and you're talking about marinating meat. I'm testing your faith right now, people. All right? But, you know, when you have, the, you know, whether it's chicken or you've got your, you know, turkey for Thanksgiving or whatever, you know, yeah, steak. And when you marinate something in that sauce, what happens to that piece of meat? That piece of meat's mostly a blank slate, right? And it's what you put on it or in it or marinated that takes on the flavor of that thing. And just like, just like meat does that, when you are sinned against and you experience betrayal, when you experience abuse, when, you, when you've been unjustly treated, what happens is when that offense becomes all of a sudden, oh, I cannot believe it, and all of a sudden the pain is, you don't know what to do with your pain. Sometimes we can sit in that pain and we can never move beyond that pain and all of a sudden everything about us is about the pain. It's about the offense. And it no longer is about you and this other person that's harmed you. It's now about you and everyone else because your entire personality and perspective of life and relationships have all changed because you've never been able to heal from the offense. And so whether you, you minimize it, ignore it, or bury it, or whether you magnify it or marinate in it, the problem is when we try to deal with forgiveness our own way, we always mess it up. And what we've got to do is we've got to invite Jesus into the offense. We've got, we've got to bring the third party in to say, Jesus, I need to understand this. Because, and let me tell you why this is important. This is why this is important. Because every single time someone harms us and harms us deeply, 
you will have two options. In your pain, you, will, you can either run to God or you can run away from God. And for some of you, experiencing the pain that you've gone through, you have walked away from God because in the moment of the pain and the fence, you're saying, God, how could you let this happen to me? I'm just telling you right now, you will never find the healing and the wholeness and the power to overcome the harm unless you invite Jesus into it. And the reason you invite Jesus into it is because Jesus will help you get it. Not only do we get forgiveness, but he'll get, help you to get understand forgiveness. And it's be through Jesus we, have this, we get this gospel lens. Because when it's only me and the person that's offended and sinned against me, I'm not going to be able to see what's going on in, the, in this episode in the right way. I need Jesus' perspective to help me as the, as the one who's been offended to walk into healing and forgiveness and how to do that. And the reason why the gospel lens is so important, and this is what Jesus did, by, by inviting the Father in, it's giving him a different way to see this because he says something, the second part of what he says here in this, in this statement is probably the most troublesome to me. Father, forgive them. I wish Jesus would have stopped right there. I'll be honest with you. I wish Jesus would have just stopped right there. Father, forgive them. No, no, no. He says something else. And he says, for they know not what they do. Okay, I need help with that. I struggle with that. I struggle with that line this week. Because here's the thing. Those, those Pharisees and the high priests, the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, it's not like they were just ignorant, like all of a sudden they're like, what? How did he get up there? No, they, they intentionally, maliciously, strategically sought to kill Jesus. Absolutely. So when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay, they weren't ignorant. They, were, they had malicious intent. What does Jesus mean with this? What Jesus meant by this is he was saying this, you can never fully understand your sin apart from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. These people, even though they knew what they were doing, they never could see their sin in light of the Holy Spirit coming into their life and showing them, this is what you're doing. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is doing something so profound that is, is, is literally the first step we've got to do in order to learn how to forgive, and that is this. You have to separate the offense from the offender. He's able to say, I, what they have done is, I'm going to name it for what it is. It is evil. It is wrong. They need forgiveness. But he's also able to name the spiritual needs of the people that are harming him. What he's saying in that moment, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's saying they are completely blind. They are in the control and the influence of the, of the Satan. They, they, they don't understand because of the foolishness and the futility of their hearts. And God, what they need, Father, what they need is they need the Holy Spirit to reveal to them the depths of their sin. God, save them. You see, until we're able to separate the, person, the person's offense, we're not going to minimize it. We're gonna, they need forgiveness for what they've done. But I'm also going to look at this person for the spiritual condition there and saying, God, they need you. Whether this person that's offended you is a believer in Jesus Christ or whether they are a sinner and have no concept of God, this person who's committed this wrong, this evil, this sin, this offense, is someone who God needs to work in. And are you able 
Are you able to name the evil done to you, but also look at the person with some kind of compassion? Maybe you're not at this point, but to say, Jesus, they need you. They need you. Because no one would would do this to another person if you were helping them. So they need you right now. The gospel lens helps us to separate the offense from the offender. The second thing that the gospel lens helps us to do is is it helps us to, to see that their sins are ultimately against God. If we understand the nature of Christ's death, the nature of the cross, that, that Jesus went to the cross not just for their sins. He went to the sins for you and for me. We know that Jesus, he went to the cross for the sins of the world, for all of humanity. And so Jesus' death and his crucifixion, he suffered and died and felt the condemnation and the judgment of God, not just for their sins or the Pharisees and the soldiers, but for all of our sins. What that means, listen, what that means is this. What has transpired, the the issue of forgiveness for you, no matter what that is, you name the offense, name what it is, the harm that's been done to you. And here's here's what is so profound, is that we have a God in heaven who knows what that feels like. Not just some like, yeah, I, I understand betrayal because I've been betrayed. And therefore, we've kind of shared this betrayal experience. No! If you've been betrayed and sinned against through betrayal, guess what? Jesus felt that betrayal on the cross. If you've been abandoned by those whom you love, then guess what? It's not just his understanding of, yeah, I've experienced abandonment, so I kind of get what you know. He experienced that, the, the suffering of abandonment. He paid the penalty for that sin on the cross. You have a God and Savior in heaven who's able to sit with you in your pain and say this, I know what it feels like because I have felt what you have felt. But I felt it more deeper than you can because I felt the punishment of that sin against me. Innocent, blameless, spotless. The thing that, that for you is like, I didn't deserve what happened to me. No, you didn't, and neither did Jesus. And so we have a Savior who can identify with our pain. But lastly, this gospel lens This gospel lens helps us to remember our sin and offense. We we, we separate the the offense from the offender, the sin from the sinner. We understand that we have a Savior who can identify with us, but here's the thing that, again, the gospel lens always does. It reminds us, it says, guess what? I'm a sinner just like that person. I have sinned against just like this person has sinned against me, I have sinned against God. And that transforms the way I'm able to even be open to forgiveness. You know, one of the things I think that we do a lot of times with Jesus' teachings is we kind of, you know, we kind of make them not as harsh. And it reminds me of something I used to do with my boys. My boys are really young. We got these bunk beds. And one of the things they love to do is jump off the top bunk onto the ground. Don't ask me why. That's what boys do. Boys are like, can I, ju- can I find the highest thing I can jump off of and try to survive? That's what boys do, okay? And as my wife, you know, I, so my kids ask me, hey, um, you know, can I, can I do this? And I was the parent of yes, okay? In every, relation, in every par- marriage, in every parent, there's always a parent that's like, yeah, sure. Now, as the parent of yes, I wasn't yes because I'm the best parent. I'm just the parent that doesn't really think through a lot of the details, Okay. So my wife's like, why are you letting them jump off? They're going to 
break a bone. They're going to get hurt. And so my solution was this. I didn't say stop jumping off the top bunk. I just put pillows down on the ground. So when they jumped off the top bunk, they landed on nice soft pillows. So I took all the pillows off. We put pillows on on the ground and they could jump to their heart's content off the top bunk all they wanted to. Problem solved. Here's what I think we do with the teachings of Jesus. A lot of times Jesus says or says something, he teaches something in scripture, and we're like, no, let's put some pillows around that. That's not really, he doesn't really mean, he doesn't really mean that. You know what Jesus says over and over and over again in his teaching? If you refuse to forgive those who have, harmed, who have, who have offended you, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. He says that multiple times. I think we should take that seriously. I, now, now, I don't believe Jesus is saying that, that there's, a, there's a works-based condition for your salvation. I don't believe he's saying that. I believe what Jesus is saying is this. If you truly have received forgiveness from, from me for your sins, that the, the ability and the willingness to forgive is actually one of the greatest signs of a follower of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Your inclination, your desire your willingness to forgive will be in line with the heart of Jesus. And, and so we've got to, when we invite Jesus into the pain and we invite Jesus into the offense, it's the only way we can get beyond how we typically act towards this, towards offenses and sin, and do what Jesus would do. We've got to do that. Some of you have to invite Jesus into your pain right now. Invite Jesus into your marriage. Invite Jesus into your home so that you can get the healing through this pain. And that leads us to the last point. Release the offense to Jesus. Not only do we have to contemplate God's desire to forgive us, we've got to invite Jesus into the offense, but we have to release this offense to Jesus. That's, I think that what, what we typically do is we, we do, again, what's natural to us, and we don't really have a full understanding of what forgiveness is. And again, forgiveness is something that, that again, we, we, have these, we have these little sayings, these proverbs, forgive and forget. Listen, can I just tell you something? That, there's, there's nothing good and true about that statement. Well, I want to tell you what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Forg- and the first thing is this, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. And, and I don't think you should forget. Because what has happened transpired against you is something that God will use and through his grace and through his power and work it out for some good. I don't know what that is, but I know he does. And to forget it means I'm, I'm actually going, not going to invite Jesus into this so that he can use this. But, but even Jesus, when he says, I will, I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember your sin no more. It's not like Jesus is going to, the moment you receive Jesus as your savior, that all of a sudden he's like, Man, I know, I know you did something wrong, but I can't remember it right now. It's not what that means. Now, when Jesus says, I will never remember it any longer, what he's saying is, I will never bring this up to you again. I will never throw this offense, the sin, in your face. It's done. It's paid for. And, and so this, this idea of, of forgetting, you know, you can't forget. You're always going to remember. And, and you shouldn't forget because what you have to do is be honest about it. And work through honestly with it. And that leads us to number two. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to be close. Okay, there's a issue. If you have someone in your life that keeps harming you over and 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 over again, and they just kind of shrug their shoulders like, oh, whatever, whatever. 
okay, yes, you need to forgive them, but there's also a sense of maybe I need to put boundaries in my life so that I don't allow this person to harm me anymore. Forgiveness, don't, don't think that, you know, Oh, I gotta forgive this person. Now I gotta hang out with them. No, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness it doesn't mean that that we're going to be best friends. Forgiveness also, okay, isn't dependent on someone's repentance, or, or it, forgiveness isn't dependent on the offender. What I mean by that is this: if you're waiting for someone to say they're sorry, or you're waiting for someone to come to you and be like, oh. I'm just so, I can't believe I just realized what I did to you. I, my heart is broken over my offense. I, I, I understand the way I've harmed you. I understand the pain you must be feeling. I can't even understand. I mean, I'm just so sorry for what I've done. And I promise you, I will never harm you in that way again. Some of you will never get that apology. And you, you can't hold on to your forgiveness and say, well, when you start doing this right, then I'll forgive you. No, 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 no. There's no conditions. When Jesus forgave the the, the people at the foot of the cross, it it was not waiting for them to show him some sign of remorse. No, it was, Father, I I, I, I I release judgment to you. And that's really what forgiveness means. To forgive means to release. In both the Hebrew and in the Greek words, it means literally to release from bondage. I'm setting this free. And what are you releasing? What you're releasing to God, and this is what Jesus says, Father, forgive him. He's saying, Father, you, you take care of this. I'm releasing judgment to you. I'm forgiving. I'm, I cannot be the judge, jury, and executioner. I know some of you wish you could. I wish some of you were like, God, can I just have the gavel for one day, Lord? Just one day. I want that gavel. No, God is the ultimate, the supreme, the perfect judge. And he knows how to bring both justice and and, and the right thing. And so when you forgive, what you're saying is, Jesus, I'm not going to hold on to this offense any longer. This is yours now. And you're going to have to work in this person's life your best way. Until Until you forgive, until you release that offense, the healing inside of you can never happen. That pain that you have felt from the offense, it, can't, it can never get beyond that sensitivity because you've not released it to the Lord. You've got to learn to release that to the Lord. And it's in that moment you release judgment to the Father that you will begin that journey of healing. And that leads us to, to my last point, and that is this, forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. You know, there's, there's two ways that forgiveness can, you know, we think about forgiveness. And, and forgiveness is both a decision and it's an emotion. And I think for a lot of, for a lot of us in this room, we are saying, well, when I, when I feel like forgiving you, then I'll forgive you. And that's not, that's never going to happen. You've got to make the decision to forgive and the emotions will follow. And, and um, Forgiveness is, you know, there's two different ways I have seen as I've worked with couples and I've worked with people and worked with forgiveness issues with, with um, issues of conflict within people. I've seen people deal with forgiveness in two different ways. And sometimes forgiveness is like this. There's a lot, you know, you draw a line in the sand and it says, okay, when I walk over this line, I'm going to make that decision that, that it's, you're released. 
I'm not going to harbor any ill will feelings towards you. I want what's best for you. And they, they walk across, they step across that line. They're like, okay, it's done. I have forgiven you. Some of you are like that. But there's also another kind of forgiveness, and I call this the plate of spaghetti. And the, plaga- the, the plate of spaghetti is kind of like this. i got to forgive every noodle on this plate. It might, might be one thing, but it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat one noodle a day because it is a process. And I might one day say, God, I release this to you. I might feel good one day, and the next morning I wake up, and those feelings are still there. You know, one of the best things that you can do in your life, and this is, this is a very practical way of working through um, forgiveness, is learning how to write down the offenses and praying through them. One of the best things you can do, maybe you work through person by person in your life, but, but you know in your heart this morning, again, there, there are some, you, some of you either have paper cuts or some of you have gaping open wounds this morning. Or some of you have scars, and they're scars that are there, but they're still sensitive. But you're not free from the pain. And if that's you this morning, one of the best things I can encourage you to do is just start writing down those things that are still so raw in you. Those things that you've never, maybe those things that you've buried, the things that you've marinated in, and you start just go, go offense by offense. You write it down. And every day you pray the blood of Jesus Christ. You release forgiveness. Father, I forgive this person for this. And just name it. You've got to name specifically. You can't just say, hey, um, this, per- you know, I-, I don't know. I don't know what you know. Name the offense. Be honest about it. And pray over it. And many times you might have to do that over and over until you get to the point where all of a sudden when you look at that offense that you've written down, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he now has given you a new heart. He's given you the ability to no longer have hatred or bitterness or sensitivity to it. That is the power of God. And then cross it out. Some of the most practical ways you can work through and apply forgiveness in your life. Because a lot of times you're like, I know I need to forgive, but I don't know how to do it. And that's one of the easiest ways. Again, we're inviting God into it, into this process, and you're being honest about it, and you're it's a it's just praying over and over and over again. You know, one of the stories, the last thing written in the book is a story about someone in the book that said, "You know what? I um, grew up in church, and my entire experience with God in church always felt like I was looking from the outside in." There just was this heart wall that I had, and it wasn't until I learned to forgive my mother who gave me up for adoption that I really sincerely learned how to experience God in the fullness of who he was. And listen, I will say this. Maybe you, are, you haven't been able to worship. You haven't been able to pray like you want to. You haven't been able to, to relate to other people because there's an issue of forgiveness that you have never found freedom from. And this, this is a double black diamond prayer. But it's one if you do, I promise you. You will experience God in a fresh and new way like you've never experienced before. That's a promise. The heart of Jesus, the mission of Jesus becomes yours. And you become one with him. And the fullness of who he is. Is that what you want? Three questions, and then we're done. Number one, 
Have you received God's forgiveness for your personal sins? Have you, do you know, if you were to stand before God today and you were to die this afternoon and you were to stand before God, would, would you know, do you know for sure that all of your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus? If you do not know that for sure, then I want to encourage you to talk to someone today that you can learn how you can have the promise and the application of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ over your entire life and you never have to worry about condemnation or sin or judgment ever again. Because Jesus has taken it for you on the cross. Do you know you have that today? If not, you come see me. We have a prayer team out in the lobby. would love to talk with you. But don't leave here today unless you know for sure you have the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life. Number two, how do you see the offenses committed against you? Do you lean upon your own personality, your own experience, or do you, is, do you invite God in to give you this gospel lens? Do you have the gospel lens to see the offenses? And then number three, who do you need to forgive this morning? Who's the person you need to forgive? I'd like for you to do something as, as we end our time here. If you're brave enough and bold enough to do this exercise with me, I'd just like for you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask that question again. Who, who do you need to forgive this morning? And as you are just, just you and God right now in, in, in your seat, what's the name that pops up? Who's the person that God brought to mind. And in the quietness of your heart, I'm going to challenge you to lift up a very simple prayer. Father, forgive and fill in the blank. Fill in the name. Name the person. Take that tiny step and maybe it's maybe you can't even do that yet, but I do know this, that Jesus forgave you greatly. And many times, he, it's until we experience the ministry of forgiveness to others that we fully don't comprehend how much God loves us. And I pray that you would take that step this morning. Who do you need to release to the Lord? Would you allow God to come in and bring healing into your heart and life? Father, I don't know the pain in this room I don't know all the offenses, but I do know this, that Jesus, you have felt every offense. You have felt every act of abuse. You have felt every neglect. You have felt every abandonment. You have felt the shame. You have felt our sin that we have committed and that has been committed against us. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that your, your presence and your comfort would surround every person right now for what they need from you. Surround them with your love. Surround them with your goodness. And, Lord, would you teach us how to forgive? May this prayer of forgiveness begin to work in our hearts an act of healing that, God, you want to do inside of us because, God, we want more of you and we want to hear from you today through your spirit, through your word. And God, maybe you have just been this, this distant God in our lives because we in our own hearts have chosen bitterness and anger and, and we have forgotten the call to forgive. So God, may we walk in this forgiveness that you offer us today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.